Blog Talk Radio. Great joy, my friend, and good afternoon. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, centering your mind and your delight on the art of the CEO. The show that brings you the most fascinating and the most helpful people in the business community from around our terrestrial orb. I am Bart Jackson, the Hieronymus Bosch of business, with today's focus on the food you eat and the people who bring it to you. Yesterday, with the speed of scandal and precision of your seventh grade math teacher, you will discover what it takes to fill your fork and how much nutrition you're actually putting in there and how the new FDA food labeling laws uh, are going to face uh, manufacturers and yourself and everyone else. And here, as the concierge, as we wander through the smorgasbord of food, is uh, the voice of the voice of the absolute authoritative knowledge resource in the food industry, CEO and President of the Food Institute, Mr. Brian Todd. Brian, I'm so glad you could break free today and Thank uh, you, join us. Oh. Uh, Brian, you know, America eats 60 I'm sorry, 630 billion pounds of food annually, and about four-fifths of that's produced right here in the, on our shores. So let's get straight to the, the, the business of public opinion. Now, many media articles and shows and films like the, the noted Food, Inc. documentary have made some very strong and, and I'm not totally unjustified arguments about the revolutionary changes in the food we're eating and that it's not all all the changes have been altogether positive. So, Brian, defend defend your members. Has the nutritional value of the food that we buy been traded for profit or not? Well, I think, first of all, you have to understand that uh, they're feeding you know, over 300 million people every day, multiple times a day. So the industry has a huge, uh, huge concern there as far as doing that. And they are um, responding to, to what people have been, been asking. And, and, of course, the consumer is fickle. Things change right. uh, from, from year to year as well as from day to day. So as, uh, as these changes become, as these fads become trends and trends become established eating patterns, um, you know, it becomes more commonplace. Like right now, there is much more of an emphasis on fresh and natural and organic products. But uh, even organic is a good example because there's not, uh, even if everyone wanted to make organic food completely in the U.S., the, the the supply right. just is not readily available. So they are yeah. meeting the demands and uh, and feeding millions of people, as I said. But um, but also I think they are very responsive and try to be for the most part. And um, But it is very difficult to move a large company quickly. Yes. Well, I, I will say I think one thing we do have to remember is that most uh, societies have uh, taken what's at hand, as much of it as they could get, and traditionally, since the Neolithic flint chippers, mankind has not had this wonderfully balanced meal of which we're aware. Would you, I mean? Would you say so? I mean that. Yes, I think they. Um, it's still we have such a variety of products out there more than than ever before, and so uh, so consumers the choices are there, and they they of course vote vote with their with their mouths many times in right. what they're eating uh-huh. um, and go go in that direction. Um, and they also, 
there are so many choices out there, and the consumers tend to be so fickle. So while they may be, um, you know, on one hand, as I mentioned, you know, seeking natural and organic products, uh, one of the faster growing categories, you know, a lot of confections and sweets are also popular. So they're kind of rewarding themselves for being healthy. So uh, how does the company respond to that? I, I, I need a root beer float just listening to this. So, all right. So, so there, my friend, you've, you've had a sort of a brief aperitif of today's Feast of Wisdom. And so whether you are a combat veteran who is now making a hard lev, uh, laboring living uh, catching crabs in Mullica Bay like Jim or an innovative CEO who's developed an equipment tracking uh, system that has just been released after 10 years of development, like Mark, uh, pull up your chair a little closer and allow the art of the CEO to help your career thrive and your ventures flourish. And in fulfilling my duties as proper host, before you is enticingly laid, a few utensils for today's Feast of Wisdom. And first utensil, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. And since that's the most important position you'll ever hold in your career, please allow me to ask, will this be the day that you look at your simple routines and ask, are they building you toward what you want to be? Do they give you pleasure? Or are you merely just following some ancient set of dictates that really are not adding much joy to your life? The way of your day is truly yours, my friend. And as a second utensil, uh, you need to steep, steep your lips in a little laughter and taste the scriptural recitation from the 102 Best Business Quips book. Yes, that's, you heard it right, 102, not 101. And so here we are, number 12, number 12 from the book as I pull it open. The, the difference between a broker and an investment banker lies in the custom tailoring. Of the suit, I mean. <laughs> uh, and as an afterthought, the art of easing an M&A transfer and managing funds are duties that, that frequently fall on the CPAs and attorneys and brokers. But as always, these duties, when they get tight and specialized, they get turned over to a specialist, and the fee skies rocket. And just, it's your duty to make sure that hopefully the expert service rises right along with it. So, if you smirked a bit over that quip, we have them literally by the books full. Just visit bartsbooks.com and pick up your copy today of the new Hot Off the Press 102 Best Business Quips. And this will give you the ch- And so, while all the other folks, you know, they're just chortling through 101 Best Business Quips, you'll have a whole new quiverful to make you the clever tongue, green eyed envy of the chain gang at work. And as a third utensil, appropriately. Perhaps we should entitle this utensil the Gourmand's Treasure Fork. We proffer you the answer to last week's business quotation. That is, who is the name of the author who noted, the best things in life are not only free, but the line is shorter. <laughs> that was spoken by none other than the author and pithy quotation walking encyclopedia, Robert Baralt. And later on in the show, Alerting your ways is to come another enriching quotation. And if you are among the learned souls who knows the author of that quote, as simply scribble them that down as you believe him or her to be, and email that right off to info at bartsbooks.com. 
That's I-N-F-O at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S dot com. And if you are correct, your knowledge will earn you a marvelous gift freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. So with all our utensils at hand, grab your fork and discover from our guest and CEO and president of the Food Institute, Brian Todd, what's up with your food and the folks who are bringing it to you. Brian, I was wondering if you could give us a uh, move us on to a, a profile of the Food Institute. I know you, you've got a marvelous model line from food to fork. Who are your members, and what does joining the Food Institute do for them? Sure. We have um, members all over the world, but our concentration, of course, is in the United States. Uh, uh-huh. We've been around since 1928 as well, so uh, so we have quite uh-huh. a history okay. of information yeah. here. <laughs> and um, for the most part, uh, we like to uh, to look at ourselves as um, a company's research department. Um, well, larger companies, many of those who are members, uh, get our information, but uh, we're, we have a staff of people here where we're uh, happy to answer questions for our members when they're looking for something. Uh, maybe they don't see it in our report, but they need that information, so uh, they can turn to us. So. We hope we're uh, we're known as the information source for the uh, the food industry, and um, being wow. we don't do any lobbying, we um, we also can say that we're you know we're typically unbiased, but always biased in favor of food. Ah, well, I am too. I think I last uh, yesterday I went down uh, saw some friends at a seafood pier, and I think I ate uh, about twenty five percent of that. 630 billion pounds just last night. I feel that way. But I think that it's interesting that you provide, uh, instead of push, you provide the living library of uh, facts and information for the food industry. And uh, more industries really could use something like that. And Now, since you are the major resource center for what is, I believe, a one Point six trillion dollar industry of food. Uh, you, you touched on it before. Could you uh, fill us in a little more on the this, the spending trends of the buyers? What are people buying, and what are they voting for with their food dollars? Sure. Um, actually, they're they're buying many more products than they they ever did before because the uh, hmm. the Wider supply array? out there is. There's a much wider array and uh, many more options for buying products. One of the things that, um, I mean, everyone knows it's obvious that they're, people are looking for healthier foods on that end, but uh, but the way they're buying them is changing. Um, much more is being done electronically. Uh, as a matter of fact, one oh. major supermarket chain uh, that's a, uh, you know, a member of ours in a conversation, you know, almost 25% of, of, of their um, Electronic orders are now coming through people's mobile phones as well, and um, and they're looking okay. that uh, yeah it it is amazing and uh, and even as far as electronic ordering, uh, Willard Bishop, who we partner with on uh, on a, an annual webinar, was predicting that uh, about 20% of the uh, the food dollar eventually will be um, electronically ordered, um, and probably that no, will happen over kidding. the next 10 to 15 years or so. So, uh, well, so do we have to watch out for, for a hamburger rain from overhead drones delivering this stuff? <laughs> that, that may be forthcoming down the road. I think, uh, oh, you know, God. 15 years ago, we would never have thought that we would have made it this far, but, um, yeah, yeah. things are changing quickly. And, uh, and for those players out there, 
um, you know, that are behind the curve. Uh, you know, we're telling them they have to get ahead of the curve. If you're not doing something right. on the electronic front, or, or if you're a supplier or a retailer, um, time to learn about it because uh, you know you you could end up being left in the dust. You probably would know. Is this ordering the 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 online thing? Is that generational? Is there demographics to say that it's uh, that this is the newer generation coming along, or is it across the board? I would think there's a lot of a lot of aging boomers who would just as soon have the stuff uh, ordered easily. Is it a demographic? Is it an age uh, particular thing or not? There is a, the majority is, of course, the, the younger, the millennials, and and slightly beyond. But um, but we are seeing, uh, interestingly enough, that in the older generations, they are <laughs> coming coming to the uh, to the forefront too in ordering online. Uh, mainly, of course, for the convenience. Uh, maybe they, you know, yeah. they're not able to get out. And I think as time goes on, we will definitely see that shift, as, especially as older people realize uh, and the prices are reasonable that they can can come online and order in that fashion i yeah i think it's it's true and and it is uh one more way i know uh in my own field of book publishing they viewed it originally as uh oh an enemy and it is really just one more way of getting uh the product out there and it's it seems to me very sensible now uh, i'd like to talk step aside uh for a moment from food and talk about you because you have by today's standards um uh, a, a very unusual job history as i understand it you you joined the food institute right out of ramapo college in 1980 and you never look back. You've you've served this professional organization loyally, and in 2002 you took over the presidency, and you've really transformed the institute. And so, what I'd like to ask from you is, what did this particular organization do right to keep a man of your caliber and your value all these years? What have they done right that others can emulate? Well, I think there's there's really two things. The first being that it's uh, we're a relatively small organization. And have remained so, uh, you know, between you know, ten and fourteen people over the years I've been here for the most part, um, which gives a lot of flexibility in, in what can be done. And uh, I've um, starting out here, of course, back in the days we were actually using carbon paper, which uh, young people don't even know what that is anymore. Uh, <laughs> you 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 could look it up if you go to a dictionary which has pages in it. We'll talk again anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly, um, and and as a matter of fact, I, they gave me the opportunities to uh, you know the at first uh, expand into um, into the internet in the in the 90s. Uh, then oh, I know we'll be touching on nutrition labeling, but also working with uh, with a law firm in Washington when the original nutrition labeling um, regulations oh. came out in the 1990s to put out a manual on that. So uh, so it was just. I think between that, the organization gave me the opportunities, and I still like to do that with my staff the same way. And uh, and the other part of it is the food industry is constantly changing. So uh, I well, never there's never a boring day. It's always something new, we, new to do, and um, and a different different adventure for us. So I I think that that's that's a wonderful attitude. It's a, it's a 
I'd like to just, it's early, but I would like to just say that Brian has given us a quill pen moment, and that is, there's a timeless truth he's just stated, and so I'd like you to take your, all of you to take your pens and dip them in your inkwell and jot down the fact that the industry is, he says, is constantly changing. There's new methods of delivery and operations within that industry. And frankly, Scarlett, that can be said of almost any industry, but here is a man who was smart enough to go out, seek them, and find them. And so jot down, as you jot, as you put that note down, say, am I making this same quest? Just a thought. Uh, and Brian, uh, getting back, what um, what about the the food the food industry trends? Um, and by that I mean the 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 food industry is it seems to me is f- falling under uh, increasingly under a huge uh, uh, umbrella organizations that are becoming so we're getting our food from a fewer and fewer and fewer name organizations. I mean a, a, a uh, if I were to put it as a pictorial view, I would show it a few large fish swimming around, swallowing up uh, every little guppy is, uh, right after it's hatched uh, and shown itself successful. Is, is that a correct picture? Um, in, in some ways, yes, and in some ways, definitely no. Um, oh. For one thing, we've, we've been tracking mergers and acquisitions actually since our founding, but uh, but in sure. 20, 2015, there were over 400 deals. In 2014, there were over 500 deals, so... There's definitely been a lot of activity, as uh, and on a lot of that were large companies purchasing smaller companies. You know, whether it's the right. large breweries buying the craft brewers or uh, manufacturers buying artisan producers. Um, so that's that definitely has happened, and they've, where they've seen opportunities, that's definitely taken place. On the other side of it, um, we've seen one of the fastest-growing categories for companies doing the acquiring or the private equity and, uh, and investment firms. And a lot of this is um, they're not going out there in many cases and buying the extremely large companies, uh, but looking to buy those smaller players who've kind of gotten to the point, maybe they were entrepreneurial for several years mm-hmm. and now are at a, at a place where they need to expand and are looking for outside investment. So going in that direction. And I think um, because of this, uh, we've seen a, a very big growth in in new companies. As a matter of fact, just last week I was at an event um, where there were many new food manufacturers and I think 12 out of 15 were based in Brooklyn. They're just uh, no, Brooklyn's kidding. become a, a, a hub of uh, of innovation activities, and um, and part of that, what's happened is these uh, many cities, including it's Brooklyn, amazing what grows just, in Brooklyn, I guess, right? Right, and yeah, even right. Uh, you know, a city like Patterson, New Jersey, is now in the in the beginning stages of forming a food incubator, where they'll be able to no, bring in you know kidding. twelve or fourteen companies to uh, to start their business and grow it. And um, you know, I think it's it's wonderful because it is bringing new new products, new trends. Um, you know, and perhaps it's not even producing a specific food, but some sort of new delivery system um, that we haven't even thought no, of yet. No. That's so. So there is the entrepreneurial spark coming on and coming in from the most bizarre uh, places. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to The Art of the CEO, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time streams magically through the mightily misunderstood realms of cyberspace, where you may listen and download this episode by visiting blogtalkradio.com/slash. 
the art of the CEO. That's all right. That's blogtalkradio.com slash the art of the CEO. And this is Bart Jackson, and you're partaking of the wisdom of, of Brian Todd and uh, I, as from, of the Food Institute. And after all, Brian's guidance, uh, if you're as stuffed as I am, I think we need to take a brief sorbet, introduce to you the company by whose good graces we are here today. And that firm is Prometheus Publishing, the creator of, among many divisions, Bart's Books Ultimate Business Guides. And you may visit bartsbooks.com and really find a great bit of practical wisdom from many business masters. And this very day, Prometheus Publishing invites you to look at the latest book to grace our bookstore. And as we mentioned beforehand, this is our little 102 best business quips. And uh, this is true. The We have outdone ourselves from the detritus-filled mind of your radio host. And we've got a whole new collection of witty truisms about the marvelously laughable realm of business, which it is indeed. And as just as a sampling, uh, one of them was, our firm isn't worried about cybersecurity. The last guy who hacked into our book sent a sympathy card. <laughs> or, or there's another one, a contract is a gauntlet hurled down between two lawyers challenging each to say who can walk away with the greatest amount of their client's money. And on and on it goes. Uh, you're going to love this book and each one of the quips is accompanied by a sort of a wry and valuable afterthought. And the reviews are already coming in. This one from uh, Professor Jeremy Delaney of Rutgers University, who says, 102 Best Business Quips is an ideal volume for those seeking to perpetuate their misspent youth. <laughs> so how could it be better than that? Grab your copy, uh, hard copy or e-copy, by visiting bartsbooks.com uh, or your Amazon or your local bookstore. And if you'd also like to uh, continue a little bit of uh, weekly quip wisdom, just go to bartsbooks.com, click on that little blue mailbox, and subscribe absolutely free. Uh, and by the eternal enigma of email, you'll receive your laughter uh, coming to you every week. And speaking of internal enigmas and inadvertent mysteries, have you ever wondered uh, of what the, the new about the new ways we eat and the safe precautions that are surrounding your fork fill? Well, lend your intrigued ear as we come back to Brian, Todd, CEO, President, Guru of the Gourmands, uh, and Head of the Food Institute. Uh, Brian, let's move into nutrition labeling because this is, we've got some big things coming up right now. Uh, as we speak, everyone, and I mean everyone in the food industry, is is facing a new and incredibly daunting challenge of new food labeling laws. Could you give us a capsule of of these labeling laws? What's up? Sure. Um, the biggest change coming, nutrition labeling. Um First of all, it really became to the forefront back in the 90s, as I mentioned earlier, and um, mm -hmm. really has not been revamped much since that time. So uh, it took FDA quite a while to come out with these new regulations. Um, and the, the biggest change, if anyone looks at the label, is um, the, the calorie count is, uh, is in a much larger font size than anyone's uh, ever seen before, so uh, so it will make it much easier <laughs> for people to determine. As Jay Leno so beautifully put it, are we too fat or what? But anyway, <laughs> go ahead. 
and they are um, you know looking in the, that that's really the major change. The other major change is they've broken out uh, the sugar content um, portion. If oh. you look down the ingredient list, where they now break it out, so instead of um, when companies add sugar, they have to put in the uh, the percent of added sugar that that is in there. So uh, obviously. Um, for many companies, that does not make a difference if the sugars are naturally occurring, but for someone like a soft right. drink manufacturer and others, oh um, it can mean something much different. Uh, so Is anyone ever going to drink a, a, a Pepsi or a Coke again if if they tell them exactly how much sugar is in that stuff? Uh, well, I think uh, <laughs> I think people know that already, and it doesn't really uh, okay. <laughs> stop their consumption <laughs> for the most part. Um, again, it gets back to the consumers, who I think there are some that you know are watching healthy on very healthy on other ends, but at the same time they like their Coca-Cola with with regular sugar in it. <laughs> it, oh, okay. it is well, most unique. Ever since it, sugar has uh, ever since it's real sort of coming into Europe. Uh, and as early as, as medieval times, it uh, it became obsessive, and within, I, I believe it was in, in, in 1100, within 50 years of its being introduced, the average European, and I mean, this is, these are the toothless peasants included, was having four pounds of sugar, and now I think we're up to 126 uh, a year. But even, even uh, I, I take it a lot more people are, are, are eating sugar uh, in, in all kinds, uh, what about the manufacturers, though? Is the, uh, how are they handling this? Do they do they uh, feel that there's going to be a, a major problem with this or not? Uh, well, I think from as far as the nutrition labeling is concerned, um, you know, they're they were gearing up for it. Everyone kind of knew it was coming, and, um, uh-huh, and as far uh-huh. as costs are concerned, obviously, yes, they they will have to label products. But FDA, for the most part is, uh, you know, is giving a phase-in period. So, uh, you know, larger oh, companies and smaller companies will have more time. So uh, so hopefully, you know, the, those companies did not run out and buy a 10-year supply of their old labels, um, and they can, uh, <laughs> can quickly, well, well, quickly change. Well, what about uh, genetically engineered uh, foods? Is, that, uh, is it a requirement? Is it going to be a requirement or not? Uh, something that's not quite known right now. Uh, Vermont actually just ne- next month will become the first state to uh, to require labeling of GMO foods. Um, uh, the federal government, uh, indeed, there have been several bills in the, in the House and the Senate to uh, to make it a requirement. Um, many of the companies had actually hoped that would happen, uh, so that oh, really? they there would be a national standard. Uh, very difficult if. 50 states come out with 50 separate regulations regarding GMO oh, labeling. Oh, yes, of course. I so, sure. So they would much rather uh, rather do that. But for the most part, you know, the companies are complying. There are a few that are saying they, you know, they, they can't sell their product in Vermont anymore because of that, and it's just not oh. feasible for them to uh, to change all their labels at this point. But, um, but we will see. I think uh, down the road, I think they're, you know, FDA and the, you know the federal government will get more involved, but it's still a very controversial issue. Well, one of the things it seems to me is that for the poor manufacturers, as is, uh, uh, I, I I had sort of envisioned that the new nutrition labeling would put everything into one hopper and all the changes would be made. Then we said, okay, then we do it. But this is is this something that's going to lead to 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 food manufacturers and processors uh, having to change their label every month because a new law is coming out? 
No, it should not. Um, that's why it has taken a while. And FDA is usually fairly responsive to, to the industry on that sense, knowing that uh, oh, they're not going to, to force that regulation and give them time to do that and make those adjustments. At least that's, that's our experience. Okay, well, that's good. Uh, I was uh, I was wondering. This is this is part of your job. This is uh, as the main um, co- collector and disseminator of information. So, uh, and everyone is relying on this food. I mean, uh, they they have to do it. So, could you tell folks uh, how does the Food Institute go about um, gathering, disseminating? This, this huge amount of information. Sure. Um, we're, we're unique because in this age of, uh, of search engines and, uh, and electronic uh, gathering of information, we, we certainly use those as tools. But, um, but I think our strong point is we have a staff of, of people here who meet every day and discuss the stories and articles and the information that's out there. There's literally you know, hundreds of thousands of items that uh, – that pass through our our desks every week and uh, kind of culling those out. So that's uh, you know what I say is our sweet spot is we go through and uh, knowing that our members are food manufacturers and food retailers and uh, one of the things is that uh, we bring up at every meeting is you know how will our member use this? Um, it might be in, it might be in, right, right. entertaining in some way, but is it something that that they can really use on a daily basis or that helps mm-hmm. them? And indeed, many of our members. You know, they they might read us every day for three weeks or three months, and um, but there's one or two items that r- truly impacts their business and you know saves them money in some way or uh, or changes the way they do business. So, you know, that's how we are unique in doing that. And also, uh, I think just our history having, you know, I have been here, uh, you know, 36 years. Other people, there's one person who's actually here longer than I am. So we have this kind of built-in knowledge that uh, that we can turn to and uh, so often we find you know what's what's new is really old and you know we go back and say well in 19 you know 80 I remember this happening and of course uh, you know the younger people's ears right. perk up so you so it's well, there is the, there is a benefit of of loyalty and and bringing and the having the sage encounter and the sage reliance that you can fall back on um Unfortunately, we are running along madly. I'd like to give you just one more question, if I may, and that is I'm going to stick a wand in your hand right now. Uh, Brian Todd, you have a wand. You can wave this. How would you change the food industry in the United States if you were given your wish? Um, actually, it's, it is already changing, and, um, and it oh. changes on a regular basis. So I think it's for, for me it's a matter of um, – of certainly keeping up with that information flow and um, mm. and making sure that there are means to do that and uh, and that we can continue to do that in our end. Um, I think as far as the industry changing, I think it's it's almost self-regulating in many ways that it uh-huh. it changes as the consumers consumers uh, you know demand it and um, and I guess and the government kind of plays catch up often. So uh, so that's what. What I think uh, has happened, and for future changes, um, you know, just keep changing is my is my really wish. Okay, so I'll be looking for the cattle aerobics channel, as as we all want to get more lean. Um, okay, 
Brian, this has been a great deal of fun for me. And now I have learned an awful lot about the food industry that I didn't know. And my, my knowledge was like a blanket which covered the earth with very few holes in it. But you have, you have really revealed an awful lot this show. So I, I thank you very much for coming on. And I really hope that you'll be able to come back again. Well, thank you very much. It's been my pleasure uh, being here. And if anyone would like to visit our website, it's just www.foodinstitute.com and uh, come and look around. And they can, you can find out about food, you can join as, as a member, and you can get the source of knowledge from the best authority and things that you just plain are not going to find anywhere else. So thank you, Brian. And as we round out today's feast, uh, I'm just letting you know that I am Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom, leaving you with today's business quotation. Who was it who said, where is the wisdom we have lost in knowledge and where is the knowledge we have lost in information? Sort of a ponderful one today. And as a hint, it was spoken by a sage poet who, fi- who signed only his first two initials at the start of his name, T.S., and he, all- he was also the one who noted, immature poets imitate mature poets steal. And remember, if you know the author of this quote, just scribble that author's name down as you believe him or her to be. Send it to info at bartsbooks.com to win an absolutely astounding, life-changing gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, if clothes and cash uh, make the man in your eyes, you either need new eyes or a better man. (laughs) And, And to you gleefully sharing our feast, I hope you've enjoyed The Art of the CEO as much as Brian and I have enjoyed bringing it to you. And remember, you may download this and all our shows at blogtalkradio.com slash the art of the CEO. And that's and visit bartsbooks.com to find out about sponsoring. And next week, do tune in to blogtalkradio.com slash the art of the CEO because Miss Jamie Raskulinitz is going to unfold whole new avenues of investing and how you may place your cash and your uh, assets a little more excitingly and a lot more effectively. And finally, to you, who have honored us with your time, may I say, as always, it has been a privilege. I thank you.